You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Good to be home and be with y'all. So excited. Been looking forward to this moment of being back and here. We had an amazing time of sabbatical. Um, thank you so much as a church for just letting us get away. There's something special that happens in your heart, and it's for you as well. It's something special when you get to a beautiful place with a stilled heart with the people you love. When you can get that all kind of connecting together, there's something special that really happens. And so we were able to do that. Got to spend a little time in the mountains, which was great. A little time at the beach. Time together as a family and just enjoy one another's company. Time studying, time reading, time to be able to learn some things and not have Sunday coming every Sunday type thing. And our guest speakers did an amazing job. I watched all those. And so, man, let's just give them a round of applause because... We didn't miss a beat. We had some great, great men that just brought the word, and that was awesome. So I got back from sabbatical about two weeks ago and got in the office and got some things rolling. And then last weekend on Sunday, I got to speak to our students in Panama City Beach at Rush Week, all of our campuses, so Siena, Cypress, and downtown as well. And everybody got together, and so I got to be their camp speaker for two days. And then uh, Grant Partrick, who was here with us at The Loop uh, a few weeks back, he spoke to him the rest of the week, and it was awesome. I enjoy. We've got some amazing teenagers in our church that love the Lord. They serve. They made a huge difference. And it just, I just got fired up so much that um, at the silent disco that I had a blast at, this happened. I began to crowd surf is what took place. So that was pretty cool. And they didn't drop me. I was worried, you know, how do I file this for workman's comp? You know, I was hurt crowd surfing, but the students had a great time. I had a great time. Lots of fun. Praise the Lord for what God's doing. And while I was there and you were here and hopefully you got to do some things this summer as well, we were in a series called My Life Verse. And hopefully you picked a life verse. I know many, many of you did. And if you didn't, it's not too late. The Bible is still open, okay? It's 24-7. You can come anytime and pick your life verse, which is great. Give you a couple stats before we jump into our, our time together of of teaching, we had 42% of our life verses came from the Old Testament, 58% came from the New Testament, 46 out of 66 books were represented in our life verse. So that was pretty cool, 46 out of, out of 66 books. Here's the top five, Psalms, Philippians, Romans, Proverbs, Isaiah. Those were the top five verses. We had people from Round Rock, Dallas, Waco, Atlanta, Kingston, Oklahoma, Carson City, Nevada, Gainesville, Florida, and even Alexandria, Louisiana. Um, and, and we had in England as well, some people, a person submitted a life verse. So that shows you the digital reach we just talked about, that people are connecting with our church, which is really cool. So what's your life verse? I hope you got one. I hope you got it in your heart. I hope you, you got it on your fridge. You got it in your journal some way. So we're moving from that series into a series called Time Together. And this is a series really coming from my heart on sabbatical. It's time together because I had time together with my family, I had time together with just me to just have a little solitude. Time together, or most importantly, what we're going to talk about today is talking about time together with God. And so if we could put these three circles together of God, me, and us, that's going to make a huge difference in our life because distractions are everywhere and we need to put our time together into a focus. And today talking about our time together with God. Do you find that distractions are all over the place? 
that everywhere you go, it's like your phone's buzzing here, your phone's ringing here, there's something on your laptop, the email's coming in, uh, there's an errand to run, there's something to do, there's somebody to call, there's some, one more thing to get done, on and on. And we end up with all of these distractions. A lady, I thought this was a really wise statement, her name's Linda Stone. She was uh, a Microsoft and Apple consultant, and she called us CPAs. That we've all become CPAs, continuous partial attention. That we have continuous partial attention. We're kind of paying attention at home. We're kind of paying attention when our spouse tells us a story. We're there when our kids are there, but we're also got our laptops open. We're in church right now, but man, I need to, where are we going to eat lunch? What's going on? We got continuous partial attention. So we're a little bit at home. We're a little bit at the office. We're a little bit at church. We're a little bit with the Lord. We're a little bit with our friend. We're a little bit listening to our wife. We're a little bit watching TV. We're a little bit this. We're a little bit that. And we have continuous partial attention. That's from a consultant of Microsoft and Apple, and I think it's a wise, wise word. When are we totally attentive? When do we put everything down and really put our focus on someone or something or a project or a task? Are we ever in that place of continual attention instead of continual partial attention? The answer to that is focus. The answer to all of that is to bring our focus in on the things that really matter. So we're going to focus in this week on God, next week on me being uh, looking at our own hearts, and then the next week on us. Let me show you the three circles. They're in your listening guide, but just so you can have them in your mind. God, me, us. Let's say those three words together. You ready? One, two, three. God, me, us. One more time. God, me, us. When you get your focus on God, you're going to let God heal your heart and minister in your own life. And then you're going to be able to be a person that loves the rest of the world. And too many times we come to the us, we're trying to keep the peace all here. We get to our hearts. Well, we're too busy. We got too many things to do. And then if we could just spend a little bit more time with God, I want to, but I don't. But God, me, us, to be able to put this together, we're going to look in just a moment at uh, Matthew chapter 14. If you got your Bible, turn there. And we're going to look at a famous passage of scripture of Peter walking on the water. You know the passage. Jesus says, get out of the boat. If he's got his eyes on Peter, everything's, or on Jesus, everything's good. And when he gets his eyes off Jesus, when he doesn't have focus, when he doesn't have attention on Jesus, he begins to sink because of the distractions that are around him. Thomas Rhett, I want you to hear this, this song. I like Thomas Rhett. Thomas Rhett's got some really good songs. But like all country music people, it's like one song's like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And the next song's like, give me a beer. Let's go. I mean, so it's like, I don't know what we're doing here on this album. But so it is with country music. So here's a song by Thomas Rhett called Country Again. And this country again song, he's talking about, you know, kind of the city can get us. We get it. We live in the city. And to get country again, to get kind of back to his boots, get back to his roots, kind of calm down and get some focus. Here's what he says. I traded sunsets with my wife for hours on my phone. And even when I was right beside her, I still wasn't really home. Hear that, husbands. Hear that, wives. I traded sunsets with my wife for hours on my phone. And even when I was right beside her, I wasn't really home. Continuous, partial attention. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. 
Immediately, he made the disciples, this is after the feeding of the 5,000, get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. You got to dismiss the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, just a little interesting thing here. Well into the night, it says, and he was there alone. You got to dismiss the crowds. You got to get alone and you got to get with God. And so he goes and he prays into the night. Now, what's interesting, the only time we see Jesus pray all night is Luke chapter six, when he's choosing the apostles from the disciples, because he knew how crucial the leadership of the church was. So he prays all night in Luke chapter six, but here we get that he prays into the night. Verse 24, meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from the land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came towards them walking very early on the sea, very early in the morning. It's about three to 6 a.m. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost. And they said, they said, and he cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, have courage, it is I, which is showing back to I am in the Old Testament. It is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come on the water. And then Jesus said, and this is one of God's favorite words, come. And he climbed out of the boat and Peter started walking on the water and he came towards Jesus, but, circle but in your Bible there in verse 30, when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. So here we have, Peter is going to jump out onto the water. It says that the boat is being battered by the waves because the wind is against us. And so it is with life. The wind is against us. If you're going to walk with God, if you're going to live for God, don't expect the world to applaud for you. The wind is going to be against holiness. The wind is going to be against walking with God. That's how the world and Christianity work. And when that wind gets up there, then you get battered by the waves against the boat. And so here's the boat, battered by the waves against the wind. Jesus is coming in the dark of the morning and Peter sees him. They're, they're scared. It's a ghost. He said, let me come out on the water. And as soon as he gets out on the water, everything's great when he's walking to Jesus. But when he sees the waves, he begins to sink. Let me give you a definition. Traction is moving toward the goal. Write it in your listening guide. Traction is moving toward the goal. Have you ever divided up the word distraction? Distraction is moving away from the goal. Distraction. So when we are distracted, we are distraction. So Peter has got traction. He's moving forward because he's moving towards the goal of Jesus Christ. He's got an eye lock on Jesus, so the wind and the waves don't matter because he's seeing Jesus. So he can walk through, he can get out of the boat, he can miraculously walk on the water through the power of Jesus. He's focused on Jesus, but he loses traction. He moves away from the goal and begins to sink when he has distraction. When we are distracted, we are distracted. Think about a car going up a snowy hill. When you have traction, you're moving forward. When you lose traction, you're sliding backwards. And the distractions in our lives are like the wind and the waves battering against us so that we begin to move away from the goal of a relationship with God, of a healthy relationship with ourselves, of a healthy relationship with other folks as well. And so sabbatical time for me, and you can have Sabbath time as well, and just, you gotta carve it out. And to be able to say, I want to move from the distractions. I want to move from all the busyness because here's what happens. Distraction increases our stress and steals our time. Distraction 
increases our stress because now we're juggling and it steals our time. There's always one more thing we've got to get done. So the wind and waves become dangerous to our family, dangerous to your marriage, dangerous to your work, dangerous to your, your heart. And so getting away is not something just pastors get to do. It's something Christians could do. It's, it's called Sabbath. You have it today. That's what it is for you to, to be able to get away from work, get away from the distractions and focus in on God and say, I want to walk with you, God, in a great way. It's been shown in research in the United Kingdom, they did a research project and that people check their smartphones every 12 minutes. I want to give you a homework assignment. Watch yourself this week and see if at about 12 minutes you start going, I just need to touch it. Nothing buzzed. I just need to grab it. I just need to see it. Get to a stoplight and watch your hands start reaching for it, right? Get to a place where you're in a doctor's office and you sit down and it's time to wait and watch your hands start reaching for it. There's nothing to do on it. You just, it's just something to do. It's a distraction. Here's a phrase in my heart and I'm going to say it to you many times. Spare time is prayer time. Spare time is prayer time. So when I have spare time, I want to make that prayer time. And to allow that now, does that always happen? I watch TV. I watch movies. I have a phone. I got it. But to be able every 12 minutes, watch your hand start moving for something. Can you make it through this whole message without, ah, ah, ah. we need a hit. It goes on further and it says that 71% of us never turn off our phone and 40% of us, the first thing we do within five minutes of waking up is check our phone. It said that we multitask in another report, that we multitask, but we're actually not multitasking. We're switching rapidly between different activities. So our adrenaline and cortisol are designed to support these bursts of intense activity. But the long term is cortisol can knock out the feel-good hormones of serotonin and dopamine to the brain, which keep us calm and happy and affect our sleep and heart rate. Do you find that you can't slow down? Sarah Groves put it like this. She said in a song, there's always just one more thing. There's always another task. There's always just one more small favor to ask. Everything is urgent. Everything is now. I wonder what would happen if I really stopped somehow. I'll be there in a minute. Just a few places to go. But you wake up a few years later. Hear this. You wake up a few years later and your kids are grown. Everything is important. Everything is not At the end of your life, your relationships are all you got. Love to me is when you put down that one more thing and you say, I've got something better to do. Love to me is when you walk out on that one more thing and you say, nothing is coming between me and you. Not one more thing. Men, when you close your laptop and put down your phone and really listen to your wife, it touches her heart. Ladies, when you say, I don't have any more errands to run, or maybe I got a bunch more errands to run, I just want to spend time with you. For some reason, I want to eat barbecue and go to a sporting event. Can we do that? (laughs) He'll think it's great. You got to put it down because it'll never end. And focus in on our time with God and then ourselves next week and then others the next week as well. Now, let me take us to a deeper place just for a second. Will you go with me? 
So we've got all these distractions. We've got all these wind and waves that are coming against us and our focus on God is not what it needs to be. So we sink in our spiritual walk. We sink maybe in family. We sink maybe at work. We sink with our friendships. We, we keep sinking over and over and over. So let me just take us to a deep level. Why do we do this? Our time management is often our pain management. If we really slow down, we're gonna have to deal with some of those hurts in our heart. So our time management, or maybe lack thereof, or maybe, this can happen with me, I'm a, I'm a pretty good time manager, but I can get, I want everything in a little box because it gives me control. So it can spin on that way too, or just be just kind of, uh. Our time management is often our pain management. A few years back, I went through a really hard time and I found I would play, you can kind of laugh at this, it's silly. I would play solitaire on my phone for about 30 minutes before bed. I loved it when those cards would go, you win. It's great. And I was like, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because my heart hurts. And I want a distraction before bed because I want the hope, the hope, of sleeping through the night. Because at that time I wasn't. And solitaire was pain management. Do you turn to food? Do you turn to exercise? Do you turn to the internet? Do you turn to sin? Do you turn to just keeping yourself so busy, you just gotta keep busy, you gotta keep, everybody's gotta be taken care of you. And you never take care of your own heart. Are you trying to find it in your kids? Are you trying to find it in your work? Think about it. Our time management is often our pain management. And we want to live distracted because our hearts hurt. And instead, point of the whole message, we've got to focus in on Jesus who is the healer of hearts. And we've got to get our eyes on him to make progress in the wind and the waves with valid, real hurts. Life's hard. It is real. And to say, God, I want to focus on you. So our time management can't just be our pain management. We've got to focus on the solution to the distraction. When we focus on the solution to the distraction, now we're focusing in on Jesus and we're saying, Lord, I want to focus in on you and I want to walk with you because if I get focused on you, you're going to heal my heart. I'm going to have to deal with some stuff. I might have to ask for forgiveness even. I want you though to God to deal with my heart because these distractions are more than distractions. I'm beginning to hug and kiss the waves and want the wind so that I don't have to spend time with you in the boat, Lord. Focus is the solution. Now, let's look at verse 27. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, have courage, it is I. That's an I am allusion back to the Old Testament of declaring the covenant name of God. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, Come, uh, have, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. You know, the book of Revelation ends with the word come. That's how the whole Bible ends with come. Come to me who are heavy burdened and laden and you will find rest for your soul. Come to Christ. Come to Jesus. He says, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water. That's amazing. And came toward Jesus. But here's the distraction. 
When he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. So what did Jesus do? Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught hold of him and said, why did you doubt of little faith? And he brings him back in the boat, verse 32. And when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those in the boat worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. Peter's progress is because of an eye lock on Jesus. Do you see it? Can you see the other disciples in the boat saying, Peter, look at Jesus. Don't worry about the wind and the waves. Look at Jesus. But he started looking around at all the distraction. And sure enough, his distraction negated his progress. And his traction came when he had his eye lock on Jesus. Peter's progress is because of an eye lock on Jesus. So it bids the question, how do we get an eye lock on Jesus? How do we spend time with God so he can heal me and so I can be a blessing to us? Got to get in the right order. So spending time with God, spending time with God. When you focus on the Lord, it brings focus on your values. When you don't have focus, how will you ever know what you value? Can't value all this. You've got to focus in. You value work. Focus in at work. You value your family. Focus in at family. You value uh, a relationship. Focus in on that relationship or friendship and focus in on that. When you get focused, then you'll realize when you're distracted. But if you don't know what you value, you won't know what to focus on. And if you don't know what to focus on, you won't even understand that you're distracted. Do you see it? So it's kind of like this. I've said this before. Good parents at times feel like bad parents because they know what they value. They value that relationship. They value that heart. So they know when they raise their voice. Ah. And so you have this moment so that you realize what I value so I know when I'm distracted from it. Bad parents never feel like bad parents and that's why they're bad parents. You ever thought about that? There's no conviction. There's no like, I should do this. They're like, oh, I think this is great. No. So we've got to focus and we learn our value and then when we learn our value, we'll understand, okay, I'm being distracted from what I really value. So how do we learn to value God? And how do we learn to really put an eye lock on Jesus? Well, let me, let me show you. This right here is the actual furniture from my house, my home study. This furniture right here, these chairs, and I sit in this chair every morning with this stack right here of books to read. So what do I got? And I got this. This is the very coffee mug. We's greater than me, Houston's First Baptist Church. I got a free mug. So here I use that. And so I've got my Experiencing God devotional that we're going through as a church. If you don't have one, get one. It's only July, right? We still got five more months of this year, a lot of time to grow. So I read out of this every, every morning. I read, write what you're reading. And then I take that and then not necessarily in this order, but then I have my journal. Um, and so I got this journal right here. This isn't the actual journal because I just didn't feel comfortable bringing my journal to the church for three days to just sit up here when they got all this stuff on Thursday. So this is just a mock-up, okay, right? So I got this. And then I've got the Bible that I read out of. I like to read uh, right now. I read different versions of the Bible, but this is the New Living Translation. I'm in Zechariah right now. So I got my bookmark in Zechariah. And every morning... I go into the study in our house and I sit in this very chair and I take this very coffee cup. Now it's filled with coffee when I get there and I pull out this stack of books that's right here and I pull this out and I spend time with God every single day. In the evening times, I spend time with the Lord, read a couple verses before I get in bed. Not always in this chair, usually in my bedroom. And so I sit right here in this very chair. This is it. 
And here's what I want you to hear. Three things are going to give you an intimate relationship with God. Three words. And I'm going to put them in three circles. Pace, place, grace. Pace, place, grace. Is the pace of your life conducive for spending deep moments with God? You'll say, well, I want to be in the middle of God's timing. Let me tell you what God's timing is. Jesus' timing, he walked everywhere, is three miles an hour. That's his timing. I don't even like 70. I like 75. How about you? I like microwave over crock pot. I want my internet speed to be fast. I want boom, 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 boom. I don't like to wait on a waiter. I want to get the food. Jesus walked three miles an hour. Is the pace of your life conducive to deal with God and deep things in your soul? Or has your pace become your pain management? And you're just spinning like a top because you know if you spin like a top, it keeps you busy and you don't have to think about deep things with God. The best time of your day, the most productive and strategic time is when you spend time with God. So the first thing is pace. The second thing is place. We brought my whole place to you so you could see it. This is my place where I spend time with God. And we go on a trip. I bring these three things with me on a trip. Bible's a great place to bring on a, a great thing to bring on a vacation. Now you got more time. You got away from everything. Do you bring your Bible on vacation? That's the best time to bring it. I bring it and you'll find this stack all throughout sabbatical. You'd find this stack in every place we went. You'd find this stack in every hotel I've ever been in to find a place that I'll say, that's gonna be where I have my quiet time in that hotel. This is the place where I spend time with God every morning, put my feet up sometimes, grab a blanket if it's cold, whatever it is, and I spend time with God. Do your kids know where you spend time with God? Do they walk place, uh, past a place and say, that's where dad spends time with God. That's where mom spends time with God. This is my place to spend time with God. And I can easily be right here and on my knees and on this ottoman and I can pray and I can say, Lord, and my kids can walk in and catch me praying for them. Not just here I pray for them, but see me in a prayer time. I'm not doing it for their eyes. I don't want you to hear that at all. It's a surprise if they walk in, but I want to be a person that prays. I pray on my knees every single day. I think it's a great posture. It's not Catholic, it's Christian. And to be able to say, God, I want this place to be yours. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. And that's why there's grace. There's a pace, there's a place, and there's a grace. Some days you're going to get a verse. Some days you may get it on the run. Some days you may be like, oh, I, I got to go, I got to go. That's fine. Some days it's going to be, Lord, I'm praying as I'm driving, listening to KSBJ. Amen. But that should not be the norm of your life. You should have a place as a believer in Christ to have the right pace to focus in on Jesus, to be able to say, I want the place and then I want the grace. So you got some homework. Here's the homework. The homework is this. Find a place in your home. You got a place where you eat dinner. You got a place where you bathe. You got a place where you shower. You got a place where you sleep. You got a place where you sit. You got a favorite spot that you like to sit to watch TV. Do you have a place to spend time with God? Pace, place, grace. And now your eyes get locked in on Jesus and you go, I want to make some traction in my life. Matthew quotes Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, just a few chapters earlier. He says, 
Seek first the kingdom and righteousness of God, and then all these things shall be added unto you. C.S. Lewis put it like this, put first things first and you'll get second things thrown in. Put second things first and you'll lose the both of them. And so we've got to be able to focus in to say, God, I need you. I need that help. Nobody's perfect. There is grace that is there, but I need you to calm the seas and you to make a place where I can deal with some things in my heart and my, my life. I won't be perfect, Lord. I need your grace, but I want to spend time with you. Just pick a chapter of the Bible and just start reading it. I want to recommend a book to you. Chuck Swindoll's book, Intimacy with the Almighty. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to see how big it is. Can you read a book like this? And this is not Gone with the Wind, all right? This isn't even the guh of Gone with the Wind, right? You read it in an afternoon. Now, we had this at all campuses, and we had it for the first service, and we sold out at every campus, and in the first service, they were all gone, okay? So we're going to get them for you next week, all right? You'll have them back next week, or you can order it online, whatever you want. Because here's what you want. If you're in church right now, and here's what I want. I want intimacy with the Almighty. I need this, or I'm going to sink on the waves. And you want that too. And so that might just be worth it, because the Sea of Galilee can be a big storm. I got to go to the Sea of Galilee over um, uh, spring break, amazing time, had a great time. And there we were at the Sea of Galilee, and I taught this passage in the Sea of Galilee. And I had them just turn the boat off, the motor of the boat off, and just said, let's just feel the peace that's there. Let me show you a picture of that water on that day. And it just got quiet. Something powerful about quiet, isn't there? And I got to teach, show you a picture of that, this very passage. And I said, this is what it was like when they got back in the boat. And it says that they got back in the boat and they worshiped him. Remember, he dismissed the crowds. He got, Jesus got alone with God in prayer. Then they got in the boat and then everything calmed the disciples got back in the boat and it says in verse uh, 20, or 33, those in the boat worshiped him. Peter got back in the boat and said, truly you are the son of God. Here's your last point. The disciples focused on Jesus and worshiped. When distraction ended, worship began. You see it? When distraction ended, an eye lock on Jesus and worship began and they said, truly you are the son of God. God. Why is this important? Why is this important? Let me give you three quick reasons. Number one, this is my heart and I bet it's yours as well. We want to fulfill our calling. Don't you want Jesus to say, well done, my good and faithful servant? Don't you want to fulfill God's will for your life? He's got a will for your life. Don't you want to do that? Yes. Number two, because lives are at stake. Well, what lives are at stake? I, I'm not a fireman. I'm not rescuing people. What lives are at stake? Your life's at stake. Your loved one's lives are at stake. And the people around you, souls for the kingdom are at stake. If we are all living distracted and not doing what God wants us to do, then people suffer, including us and primarily us, we could maybe even say. Number three, life's too short to waste. We have the strength in the Lord to live focused and with traction. God wants to do miraculous things through us. Peter walks on water because he's got a focus and he's not distracted. He has got a focus on Jesus Christ. And so he's able to make it through the wind and the waves and then the calm of the storm. How amazing is that? Church, with Jesus as our focus, let's walk on water in this sea of distraction. 
and let's see God do something great. I started with a Thomas Rhett song, Country Again. I want to end with that same song and give you the rest of the song. Here's what he says. I traded sunsets with my wife for hours on my phone. And even when I was right beside her, I still wasn't really home. But last night, we built a fire and I watched the moonlight kiss her skin. And I thought, man, it feels good to be country again. Man, it feels good to be country again. I saw the light. I found the way home. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Man, it feels good to be country again. Can I ask you, do your kids know the top of your head or the whites of your eyes? You and I value God. Let's spend time with Him. You value the important relationships in your life. Close it all down and be with them. You value the peace God wants to put in your heart. Spend time with Him and let Him uproot some things. And you'll find time together with God Time together with yourself. That's next, next week. Time together with all of us. It's the final one. It's got to be in that order. Because only secure people can truly love. So you spend time with God. You let him deal with your stuff. And then you're going to step out and be able to love people well. Father, we come in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, that you want to spend time with us. And so, Father, may we leave from this place to go find a place in our homes, to free ourselves from distractions, to spend time with you. Ask the Lord to reveal to you how your time management might be your pain management. we need some healing. What did you hear from the Lord today in this message? Where are you distracted? What relationship needs some attention? Father, as we worship in just a moment, would you speak to our hearts? Those that don't know Christ as Savior, you can pray right now and ask Jesus to save your soul, forgive your sins. We'd love to talk to you about that. Those that do know him, step out of the boat, get your eyes on him. Father, as we respond to you, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.